Quick question, and you can turn the slide now, back there. How many of you have something like this at home? Some kind of wall hanging, something, yes, we do. We definitely have one, it was a wedding present. A lot of people, a lot of households have a wall hanging or something with that verse on it. It's pretty popular in the, market, in the Christian marketplace. Jeremiah 29.11 shows up on a ton of merchandise. Google it sometimes, sometime, click on the shopping tab, and you'll find keychains, rings, pendants, pen sets, t-shirts, wall hangings, bracelets, dog tags, journals, wallets, pillowcases, magnets, calendars, mouse pads. Does anyone use a mouse pad anymore? Mouse pads. Coffee mugs, tote bags, throw rugs, baseball caps, water bottles, and nightlights. All emblazoned with Jeremiah 29:11. Who knew that uh, my favorite is a kid's backpack that translates the verse this way. It says Jeremiah 29:11, and above that it says, "I ain't worried about nothing." <laughs> Who knew that a single verse from an ancient letter written to bereft people? could have such an impact in the marketplace. You can change the slide back now. Thank you. Jeremiah 29, 11 has so much more richness, so much more depth when read in its context, as do all Bible verses, because what God suggests through the prophet would be simply unthinkable to many of the recipients. God is asking God's people to practice radical acceptance. A bit of history. This letter is written sometime probably in the 590s BC, about 130 years after Isaiah spoke his oracles of hope to an unreceptive King Ahaz. We heard about him last week. Since then, the northern kingdom of Israel has been destroyed. Its tribes have been scattered. The southern kingdom of Judah had fallen on hard times. Assyria utterly dominated the kingdom, sacking cities and exacting heavy tribute. In the late 600s, King Josiah began an iconoclastic reform movement, destroying idols, destroying their altars, and exiling their priests promoting the worship of God and God alone. There was a period of legitimate self-governance as Assyria grew weaker. But Josiah was killed in battle, and the scripture indicates that this was most unexpected. And the reform movement came to a halt. In the meantime, Babylon began to emerge as a power. Babylon, with its capital city near modern-day Baghdad, began to dominate the ancient Near East, and there were rumbles in Jerusalem. Soon, Babylon's king Nebuchadnezzar captured the city, deposed Judah's king, the king's family, all skilled laborers, fighting men, and other exiles in 597, replacing the king with his own man, Zedekiah. This is where we are in the story. The city has not yet been destroyed. The temple is still standing for the moment. There is still a descendant of David on the throne. But Judah is humiliated, a vassal nation yet again, its residents uncertain, 
its exiles tempted to either take up arms or despair. And in contrast to other nationalistic prophets who want the exiles to throw off their chains and fight back, God, through Jeremiah, counsels them to accept what has happened. This is their cross to bear for a while, if you'll pardon, if you'll pardon the anachronism. And the exile won't end soon. In fact, things are going to get much worse for Judah before they get better. Much worse. Jeremiah says it will be 70 years before they return, which means those hearing these words for the first time will never return. Instead, the exiles are to build a life in Babylon, build houses, plant gardens, have sons and daughters, and make sure their children get married and have children of their own, and yet don't get too comfortable with exile. Look forward to the future return. Look forward to their grandchildren's destiny. And this curious phrase, seek the welfare, that is, the shalom, of the city in which you are found, and pray on its behalf, for in its shalom you will find your shalom. So the exiles are supposed to seek the shalom of their oppressors and conquerors and pray for them. They are supposed to accept that their destinies are connected, that their shalom lies in the shalom of Babylon. It's a very strange kind of shalom to accept. It almost seems dismissive of the trauma they've just witnessed. But God is not dismissing what they've experienced or what they've been through. And indeed, God knows that their world, the only world they ever knew, is dead. They're in a foreign land, dominated by people with different gods, languages, and values. God knows that they feel lost, hopeless, maybe even furious with both God and their conquerors. It wasn't supposed to be this way. So the truth conveyed in this letter is a word of both law and gospel. Acceptance can be painful. Seeking shalom for enemies is counterintuitive. But the promise is that there is a future for the nation. Exile is not the last word. And as the exiles put shalom into practice, even for those they hate, they will find shalom for themselves. They will find well-being, peace, and health. Our time has its similarities to Jeremiah's time. Even before COVID, many in the church, mindful of the rise in those who claim no religion, and declines in church involvement began using exile as one of their favorite metaphors. The other favorite that I've been hearing a lot is wandering in the desert. Since March of 2020, many of us feel like we're in a literal exile. Exiled from families, exiled from activities we loved, exiled from our congregation, exiled from so many things. Many of us are still concerned 
about the safety of in-person worship or our programming. Many of us are still concerned about being out in the community. You only need to look at our attendance numbers to realize that's the case. And the news out there is pretty scary right now. And while we're not under the thumb of a foreign power, the world we knew before is dead. There's no going back to the world as it was. We've been turned upside down. And no one knows what the world will look like as we emerge. We don't even know how long it will take. I pray to God, not 70 years. But there is so much uncertainty, so much exhaustion, and so much anger out there, just as there must have been in the aftermath of Judah's exile. God's words to us are unchanged from those spoken to the exiles 2,600 years ago. Make a life for yourself in this time. Think of the world future generations will inhabit. Look outward. Seek the shalom of the city in which you are found. Know that your shalom is tied to theirs. Ultimately, there is no us and them. There is only God's. And most importantly, remember that there is a future with hope. God has plans for your shalom, for your well-being. Your well-being and the well-being of all are foremost in the Lord's heart. This current time of exile will not last forever. It may last quite a while. But eventually, in God's own time, God will bring us back. What the return will look like, we don't know. But with God leading us, we won't be lost. We have a future with hope. On a dark night 2,000 years ago, Jesus prepared his disciples for their own exile of sorts. The world as they knew it was about to end. Their friend, their teacher, and their Lord would soon suffer and die. And they would be scattered. It was an anxious time, a sad time. A time that seemed as far removed from shalom as one could get. And yet, in that moment, Jesus reminds them that he gives them not only shalom, but a shalom vastly different from the world. It is a shalom rooted not in external power and victory, but in himself and in the promised Holy Spirit. It is a shalom rooted in the only permanent one in a vastly changing, impermanent world. It is a shalom that reminds us that whatever happens, our future is secure. Our hope is never in vain. And because of that, we can release our anxieties. We can release our fears. We can release our anger. And we can accept exile for now, knowing that in Christ, exile is never the last word. Let's pray. Lord God, we are in a time that feels a lot like exile. We don't know when the end of this time will be. We don't know what the world will look like. 
but you have promised us a future with hope in all such times, giving us shalom that only you can give. Keep us rooted in that hope. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.